Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode of the show, I talk to Zen Falks, who is the author of the new book, Better Posters. Um, as you might suspect, I really like the name Better Posters, the title Better Posters. Uh, in it, Zen talks about all the things that are important to consider and do when you are creating a poster for an academic conference. I also think it happens to work for when you are thinking about creating an infographic or presentation slides or data visualization. Even though it's specific to this one part of data communication, I think there's a lot going on here that a lot of us can learn about data communication. So we talk about Zen's background coming into this poster area. He talked about his, his interest in design, uh, working with data, academics, what it's like to actually be in a conference poster session. If you've never been to one, it's quite an interesting experience, and Zen will talk a lot about that in the interview today, about what it means to actually sit in this huge room of so many different people uh, talking about their content. And then we spend a bunch of time talking about what are good ways to lay posters out, what does it mean to actually stand there, uh, what does he think about uh, conference poster contests, something that I uh, struggle with when it comes to data visualization contests. So we spend a bunch of time talking about all of those different aspects of his new book, Better Posters. I hope you'll enjoy the episode, hope you enjoy the conversation, and I hope you'll check out his book and all of these things I've, of course, linked to on the show notes page. So here is my interview with Zen Fox. Hey, Zen, good to see you. Welcome to the Policy of His Podcast. Uh, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I feel like right off the bat that I should put in a disclaimer that this interview, despite the name of the podcast, will probably have no policy and very little viz. So I just want <laughs> to apologize to any listeners right now. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, so here's the book that we're talking about. So Better Better Posters, which of course is a name that I the title of the book I really appreciate. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on visualization in this book. And, and we'll talk about more of this. But what I love about it is there's a lot of aspects to data visualization that maybe not a lot of people think about that you in the poster world have to think about a lot, like the actual layout of something. Whereas like, right. if I make a graph and it's an image file, I sort and of post it and I'm done. But you're creating multiple things. Yes. So that is one of the challenges of a poster is that it's all in one. It has to be a complete little ship in the bottle, to use a, right. an analogy, yeah. uh, which is one of the things that makes it a very challenging format. Right. I want to go back to um, to the beginning, really, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background and maybe if you can remember like the first poster that you created. Um, and was it like how many people like their first graph or their first presentation was terrible and they realized <laughs> that there's a better way? So yeah, so where do you like come from to get to to this point about talking about and helping people you know, and make better posters? So the book arose from a blog of the same name, which I started about 12 years ago because I was seeing that there were other really good blogs out there about oral presentations. And there's tons of books about oral presentations. And I sort of realized that there was this unfilled niche for discussions about conference posters, which are very much unique to academic and even more specifically the scientific academic world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can go see an oral presentation 
at business conferences, which keynotes, but you don't go into a, a business convention and see rows of poster presentations. <laughs> right. that, that's very much like a, yeah. an academic thing. Yeah. And I realized nobody else was talking about this on sort of an ongoing basis. There were a few websites that talked about it uh, just as here's my advice as a blog post or something like that. But I thought there was much more to dig into. Mm. So that was the start of that. Now, to go back even further of what gave me the confidence slash hubris to think <laughs> that I would have anything reasonable to say is sort of twofold. So I had worked at the student newspaper as an undergraduate doing layout and so forth pretty much for most of my undergraduate career. And so I had a bit of experience with doing layout and some of the, the basics of graphic design. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go way back to not my first poster, but even before before that, I was one of those science fair kids, you know, back in grade school, mm -hmm. like, you know, grades, like junior high, uh, yeah. maybe even elementary school. I can't even remember where I, I did them, uh, what years. I know I didn't do any in high school. Uh, it was before that. But I did reasonably well i think for uh, you know, i did i made it to the provincials uh science fair a couple of times um i think i, I think the best i ever did was second at a provincial for my age category um but in terms of doing those science fair projects there's some similarities between yeah, those yeah. And, and posters and i remember one of my teachers um uh, saying you have a really strong eye for the graphic end of things and mm. so that was part of the fun of doing the science fair posters for me was like messing around with Electroset and doing some of these things to just kind of make it look nice. Yeah. Um, so I've been messing around with these sort of things on and off for a long time. And then really with the, the blog was when I got serious about it and doing it on a regular basis. And I decided to teach myself some more because people started to find find the blog and recommend the blog. And it was like, Oh, now I have a responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, other people are actually reading this. Reading this, would, right? Yeah. And they would tell me, it's like, I recommend it to my students, to my graduate students and, and so forth. And so and there was that sense of, you know, there's a readership and people started mm -hmm. sending me things for review, which was really the best part of the whole project. Yeah. Was, was that input from other people, which was the thing that made it, the thing I'm now best known for. Right, uh, right. I, I joke all the time. It's like, yeah, I have 60 peer-reviewed scientific papers, but I go to a conference, it's like, you're the poster guy. Poster guy, you? yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, embrace yeah, yeah. it. I, will, I, right, I have yeah. written the book now, so right. I've just embraced my destiny, and I will no right. longer fight it. I'm no longer... <laughs> I am no longer a crayfish biologist. I'm, a, I'm the poster you're, guy. You're a poster guy, yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about a, a bunch of the sections of the book. You were talking about the importance of layout. So if you had to, like, say there's one thing, and I know there's not, but if you, like, if you were forced to say there's one thing, like the most important thing, is it layout or is it um, the brevity of the text? So if you had to, like, narrow it down to one thing for a poster, which is, Again, different from all these other mediums. Yeah. Um, what would that one thing be? The one thing is coming up with 
the one thing that the, the poster is going to be about. Yeah. It's about the editorial decisions. Because what I see as the most common problem with many, many posters is lack of message discipline. So people are trying to do too many things on the poster. They are trying to show all the data. And they are unwilling, and in some cases unable, but it's usually just that they are very reluctant not to show everything that they got. Yeah. And so I'm always saying, this isn't your journal article. This is conference poster. You don't have infinite space. And you really have to make a decision about what is the most important thing that I want to show. Mm -hmm. And that is, is a very challenging for, for everybody. You know, it's, it's always tough to edit your own work, which is what people are happy with. Right. And it's challenging because quite often the thing that people want is that they say sort of in the abstract as a, as a viewer that they want all the detail and all the fiddly bits. But the reality is if, yeah. when they're there on the ground, they get tired and they have like all these posters and it's like, that's not the reality. The reality is you really want a summary, right? right. You know, for most of these things, you really want to be able to talk to somebody and get something worthwhile in five minutes. Yeah. That's what most people have, have indicated to me. That's the kind of time they want to spend talking to somebody at a conference. And that's very challenging. Mm -hmm. Very, very challenging to get down to five minutes. Um, I, it's the equivalent of ending night talk, which is a format that some people might know from uh, slide presentations, which is a five-minute PowerPoint presentation. And you really have to think about it that level of concision. Maybe we should have backed up first, but um, can you paint a picture for us? For those of the listeners who are not academics, maybe never been to a poster session. Yes. Can you paint that picture for us? Um, and, and just from some of the pictures, in the book, there are some pictures of actual like poster sessions yes. um, and some drawings of ones. And, and the ones that I go to may not be as big as some of the ones that you describe, but they're large enough. But yeah, maybe paint that picture for listeners who you know may have not had this I'll just say experience. I won't put any judgment on top of it, but it's an, it's an experience. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. It, it absolutely is, especially when you go to some of the larger ones. Yeah. Um, so the largest one that I have been to is fairly well known in the scientific community. It is the Society for Neuroscience. And it only goes to a few cities in the U.S. because there's only a few cities that are large enough to hold it. Uh, the last few years before the pandemic, it was usually drawing about 30,000 people. I've lived in towns that are not 30,000 people. Um, now, admittedly, I'm a small town for boy, but uh, that's an enormous number of people. So something that some people may know or have heard about is the San Diego Comic-Con, which is this you know, huge media event, and they may have seen pictures of that size of that venue the society for neuroscience is often held in that venue mm -hmm. because it needs something that big to accommodate all of these people so you think about okay you've got thirty thousand geeky neuroscientists and they're presenting their work and they're in the floor of this enormous convention center 
that you walk into and it looks like they could be building a Boeing 747 in the back. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes on and on and on. And so there's lots of things in the main hall, but the major thing that you see is row after row after row after row after row after row for hundreds of meters of poster boards. Mm -hmm. And so they are over the course of usually about five days, there are tens of thousands of poster presentations that switch twice a day. Yeah. So that is for many people, the first time they go to it, it is an overwhelming experience, either for, for scientists who have been to other, maybe even fairly large meetings, which might be a thousand people, something like that. They go to neuroscience, or another big one is the American Geophysical Union, which is, I think, comparable. I think it's maybe a little smaller. And it is, they're kind of blown away by the amount of stuff there is to see and the amount of science and the amount of content to navigate. So it's very tough for, and as I said before, the poster is a challenging format. The conference is challenging yeah. as an audience member. You know, how do you, you know, forget about making a splash professionally. How do you even make a ripple yeah. in that kind of situation where you're up against thousands of other presentations at the same time going on all around you? Um, it's challenging. Now, I happen to love that because it's exciting and you see all of this stuff and there's so much science. There's something that you're going to learn, like just guaranteed, you know, if you have right. any curiosity. Um, it can be very tiring. Yeah, because as you walk through, and I'm going to guess it's the same as you walk through, um, there are people, the, the author or authors, I guess, are standing yeah. in front of their posters. And so so the main economics conference often takes place in San Diego, but it doesn't go to the convention center. It's a combination of the convention center and some of the hotels, but not like that huge room. And I imagine it's like being in a football stadium with the amount of noise and trying to have these these discussions. There's very rarely a wave that goes on. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? um, or there's very rarely that moment of, oh, you know, yeah, the crowd right. goes wild. So right. it's not quite as bad as the stadium. But it, there's definitely for a lot of people, it's, it's a lot of sensory input. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Um, and one of the things that I recommend to people is go in with a plan. Mm -hmm. uh, because I have talked to people who said the first time they went to one of these massive, massive meetings that their plan was, okay, I'm going to start with row A poster one and i'm just going to go and it's like no 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 you <laughs> never gonna work do yeah. that you yeah. cannot do that um fortunately usually there's like at least titles which are given out to people in advance and so you usually can figure out okay these are the posters that i want to see they're organized by themes by session by topic so it's not as though it's just like ten thousand people and it's like walking into an anthill and you're trying to find it. Mm -hmm. No, it's like a little bit like that, but there is some organization some to organization. it. You know, right. It's like, if right. you're interested in Alzheimer's disease, you go to this set of rows. If you're interested in locomotion, you go to this set of rows. If, again, right. good organization by the conference organizers is really, really critical to having that 
good post-recession experience. Yeah. Um, but there's only so much you can do when you have so many yeah, uh, people so many giving posters, posters yeah. at the same right. time. I mean, it's one of the things I actually love about the book is that you cover the entire process, not just for the person creating the poster, because you have a whole chapter on like how to print the damn thing. Uh, but you also have a section at the end about like, how do conference organizers set it up? And what should they provide to people? And, and, and how should they define the rules for a contest, which, which I want to come back to in a moment. But I did want to ask you because you have a section in the book about infographics. And I wanted to get your take on how a conference poster is different from an infographic, because I feel like a lot of infographic designers might be really good at creating conference posters if they if Absolutely. they have that experience. Now, I do have a, I don't want to say it's a rant in the book, but that I do find the term infographic to be spectacularly unhelpful I agree. in many ways. I agree, um, yeah. Because it's like, what is it? Yeah. I mean, it's a graphic with information. How is it different from a graph? How is it different from this? Um, be that as it may, I think the big difference between a conference poster and what most people think of when they hear the word infographic is that a conference poster usually is by an academic, so it's very, very influenced by academic style mm. and academic journal articles. So an infographic is usually very much a standalone sort of thing, but it doesn't, it can have kind of any structure that you want. The vast majority of conference posters that you see have a very defined, familiar structure. For anybody who's read academic articles, you know that there's like a way that they are structured. And it's usually, there's a title, there's an introduction, there's a method section, there's a result section, and there's a discussion section. And... It's very rare that you get deviation from that. Some journals move the method section to the end, but that format is something that so many academics are so familiar with and they're so ingrained in using that format. They read it, and it's a good format in many, many ways, um, is that it just ends up coming up on the conference poster as well. They use that same structure. And in an infographic by somebody who is not from that culture, mm -hmm. you're not going to see it laid out in that way. So right. I think that's one of the major differences. Now, that said, I think that a lot of academics could learn from the, that. <laughs> no, you do not have to follow that format of the journal article. It's not right. a paper. Uh, and I think that they, they get very locked into that format when there's no need to it's like you can do what you want you are free let energy right. reign <laughs> um, but quite often they're they're reluctant to do that and uh so they they tend to be a little conservative on the the design and the editorial side. yeah i mean you do lay out in the book multiple structures or layouts that people can use in the posters mm -hmm. and you know sort of you have i would say a light recommendation maybe is that is that fair to say like i think you say that there are a couple that you like but have at it whatever works for sure. you i think there are some kinds of posters there's some kinds of formats that just work you know mm -hmm. it's really hard to screw it up so it's a little bit like a movie or a television show right there's a reason why there are 
this whole range of sports movies where there's an underdog team that comes up against the champion, right? That story just works. And people never get tired of seeing that kind of story. Or the cop buddy movie where the two partners go together and they are completely different and they start off hating each other, but they have to work together to solve a crime. It's like, how many times have you seen that movie or television episode, right? (laughs) Right. Um, Because if you just pay attention to a few things, it's really kind of hard to mess it up. Like you have something which is usually okay at least. And that's the same thing with conference posters. There's certain formats where it's like, if you put it up, nobody's going to complain. It will just kind of be at least okay. Mm -hmm. And heaven knows I've seen enough posters that were not even okay (laughs) to know that for many people, that level of reaching some kind of bare level of minimal competency of like, rather than my eyes is a big win. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think you make a, 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 the point very clearly, like the bar is set pretty low to have like a really good poster. Oh, it's, it's abysmally low. I I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know these are my people and i say this is one of them but yeah. it's like oh my god we're horrible sometimes and i've, <laughs> I've made some of those posters i mean one of one of my least successful posters is in the frontispiece of the book yeah where it's like i look at it now and i sort of critique it Rage. later in the book um and the reason i put it as the frontispiece was not because i was happy with the poster but because at the time um I was, I was having a good day and I liked the, the picture because I was feeling very relaxed and very in my element, which is how I've always kind of felt about poster sessions. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to convey that feeling of being in the poster session Yeah. of, on the one hand, it's kind of casual because it's like not a very structured kind of thing, but it's also very exciting because there's so many people who are bringing you the absolute latest stuff from their labs and there's so yeah. much that you can learn yeah and so that's why i, I picked what has a picture of a very bad poster <laughs> um in the front of the book you know i think you make a really good point early on in the book that posters are not somehow lower or worse than or not as sophisticated as you know giving the five minute or 10 minute presentation talk Mm -hmm. i'm sure it varies from field to field uh, but i think that that is a really important point especially for more junior people who can still get out there and and share their work one of the realizations that i had in writing the book is that objectively i think that a poster is the hardest format Mm. because with slides you have as many slides as you want with a journal article you have as many words as you want typically um a poster you have like what's within the poster board so you have a very limited space you have a very limited time you are competing for attention very often with many many hundreds if not thousands of other posters in a busy crowded environment and what do we do we give that to people who are just starting out most often we give them the hardest task in information display to people with the least experience because it's people think oh it's less stressful and yes i get that 
fear of presentation, like an oral presentation, is very high. And I get that that is very stressful for a lot of people. But the actual design, design yeah. the, the actual what am I going to say and how am I going to present that in a way that is um, helpful to somebody is really, really hard. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I want people to take posters more seriously and mm -hmm. to acknowledge that we're giving this very, very hard task to often very inexperienced people. Yeah. And uh, they deserve more respect. Yeah, I agree. I think that's absolutely right. And I can only speak from you know my field, but I, it's certainly the case that uh, there is a lot of sort of looking down on the poster folks. Mm -hmm. um, even though you are having this more intimate discussion with people who are walking by that, you know, I, I would guess... Um, you probably get better feedback and you probably have better discussions than you do in, in the verbal presentation mm -hmm. where you get your 10 minutes, you talk, you know, three other people go and then you maybe have some Q&A and that's it. And people sort of disperse to the next session, whereas you have this, you know, actual, you can have these like in-depth conversations yes. with people. Yeah. And that, I, I think that is the real strength of the format. And the thing is, and I, I understand why people want to have the oral presentation, because you see the keynotes, right? Yeah. You can yeah. have the keynote with a thousand people. Right. And you can reach more people than you can with a poster. Yeah. You know, because you're not going to get a 20 foot by 30 foot poster board. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you can't yeah. scale up. Yeah. You can't get a billboard in the conference center. Um, whereas you can effectively do that with an oral presentation. You can have a small room, you can have a medium sized room, you can have the keynote room. And so people sort of see that and they see, oh, the keynote, he's in the big room. I want to be in the big room. Big room. You know? I don't want to be in the little room because I'm not going to reach as many people. Yeah. Um, so in, just in terms of that numbers game, yes, the, an oral presentation can be a much more effective way of displaying your message. But in terms of starting a conversation, like a real conversation, not a monologue, but somebody being able to say, have you thought about this and really give you and really sort of, wait, can you stop? I don't understand this. That, I think, is what posters do better than any other format. Mm -hmm. Bar none. Yeah. <laughs> okay, except maybe the talk in the bar. <laughs> you know, and, and the <laughs> right, right, afterwards. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, but that I'll... is the real strength of that format. Um, is that when you're talking to somebody in front of their poster, they're not checking their email like they'll do in an oral presentation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also the case that I think a lot of us forget that the point or the purpose of an academic conference is to share information and to get feedback and then yeah. to improve the science. Whereas I think a lot of people approach conferences as sort of a way to show off the work. Yes. But not to get the feedback part, which is, you know, often what we want to do in these times. And showing off the work is, I get it. I'm a show off. I love that. You know, everybody to some degree wants to, it's fun being on the big stage. It's fun being the center of attention. And there's a place for that 100%, you know, to broadcast those kinds of, of fairly complete stories. But I think that there's also that importance for the real one-to-one -one conversations that you can yeah. just 
have the back and forth that you're not going to get in very many other situations. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I wanted to ask one last question um, because as I mentioned earlier, you do spend some time at the back end of the book talking about conference organizers. You talk about, Mm -hmm. which I, which I like the whole thing is just, you know, so ingenious, I think to add these like practical pieces, like what do you wear? And like conference organizers, like, you know, how do you set it up? And, you know, what do you do about people who are, you know, being inappropriate uh, in various ways? Um, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, because you mentioned it, I think, kind of in passing about these conference poster contests that yes. happen at a lot of conferences. And I'm curious what your take on that is, because I, I sort of feel it is very similar to having a data visualization conference, because they're evaluating sort of the design but not necessarily the science and they're not reviewing the data, right? Like I feel like I could make a really nice poster if I didn't have to worry about outliers and all these weird data points I could, you know, right? Like <laughs> if you weren't constrained by the data, damn it. Right. If I wasn't constrained by the data and I was just concerned about winning a poster contest, you know, so, so I'm just, I'm just curious how, how you feel about that. And, you know, given your description of the huge room earlier with hundreds of posters yeah. Like, so what's your feeling on those, about well, those? I, will, those I would typically say that the really big conferences, as far as I know, I don't know if there's any of those really huge ones that have poster competitions. Those okay. are usually something that are going on, on the, at the smaller venues, okay. in the smaller meetings. Now, yeah. that said, I think that there is, um, you, you bring up some really good points. Um, and, and I thought about them this this quite a bit now i think the, the first thing is well is design subjective and i think that to some degree yes but also no right. i think that there's definitely some things where you can say well this is a better design than an, another design right um just as in there's certain best practices in to use an example if you have a graph are the axis labeled do they have units those kinds of things I don't think are um, subjective. They're right. best practices of the craft. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there are some things which you can, there's a subjective element to it. But on the other hand, there really is an objective kind of design that people can look at and say, oh, there's a problem. This, yeah, yeah. this, is, this is a problem, this is not. Um, now, in terms of the fact that well, is are these things vetted or not? Is there how do we know that the data are not have not been altered in some way? Um, some conferences actually do review the the presentation before they go in, so they're actually peer reviewed at the, mm-hmm. the outset. Okay, um, that's unusual though. Right? Yeah, and I'll say that. Um, but even then, I don't think they they do sort of an audit of all the data. No, right. I mean, it's even, like a even most review. academic journals don't do that. Right. right. No, that's right. Uh, right. So I think that um, there's this understanding that these are works in progress most frequently. They're usually not completed works. Mm-hmm. Um, again, these are typically students, and quite often they are the competitions are by experience of students. So you have undergraduate versus graduate student awards. Um, they're usually not given to senior faculty at all. Right. Um, and uh, so I think that with that understanding that Yes, there's limitations, and yes, there's going to be an element of luck of the draw in terms of whether you win the competition or not, because 
there is that subjective element. I'm not going to say that there isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I think that, um, you know, those sorts of things are, first of all, for many people, many people enjoy competition. Why deny them of that? Right? Yeah. Many yeah, people, that's fair. competition brings out the best in them. We just had the Olympic Games, and there are some people who really want to be the winner at the Olympic Games. <laughs> and then there's the people who just want to run around their block on the weekend. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that we can, to some degree, accommodate both. both of those kinds of, of people and their, their goals and the things that they enjoy. And I think that there's also, to some degree, a little bit of an advantage of, you know, when we're talking about these kinds of things, that they are something which are meant to build people's careers. Posters, just in general, are really important because they're frequently the first thing that somebody does professionally. Mm-hmm. It's very frequently like the very first line in their CV mm-hmm. in terms of chronology. Yeah, and I think that's another reason why we need to take this really seriously. Yeah, seriously, for people. Yeah. yeah. And similarly, for that opportunity to get. Not just that you presented a poster, but that you had a winning poster for many people is such a big builder of their career. Because we all know that once you get one award, it makes getting the second one much easier. Right. right. And I think that the, the difficulty is, of course, that it's like there's more good work than there is awards. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully now there'll be more better posters uh, out there. Um, so that's the book, uh, for folks who haven't seen it, I do recommend you, uh, you check it out. Zen walks through that, as I mentioned, the entire process. And I think there's, you know, people who aren't creating posters, I think it's easy to go in here and take stuff out. If you are making infographics, even if you're not making an academic poster, I think there's a lot in here to help folks who are making, you know, maybe digital or other posters or just, you know, infographics as there's a lot of great pieces of, of advice and strategies in here. So uh, Zen, thanks so much for the book. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been uh, it's been great chatting with you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned a little bit of something, and I hope you will check out Zen's book again. As I mentioned at the very beginning and mentioned throughout the conversation with Zen. I think there's just a lot to learn here for all of our different types of data communication, whether it's an infographic, whether it's a dashboard, whether it's just a standalone graph, whether it's a PowerPoint or keynote presentation. There's a lot to learn in this book about font, layout, color, structure, thinking about being concise, as he mentioned right at the beginning of our conversation. So I hope you'll check it out. Thanks so much for listening. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsuki Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy Viz podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.